I'm Dr. Tabitha Kenlin, and this is Misconduct, 700 Years of Telling Women What to Do. Each episode will explore a different conduct manual. Expect a little historical whiplash, because we're not going in chronological order. It's fun to hop around. Conduct manuals are books filled with instructions on how to behave. They were written for men and women, but mostly for women probably because the rules the books provided were generally no fun at all, so the straight-laced moralists who wrote them had to keep reminding women over and over and over again that God had created women to be boring. Fortunately, not everyone agreed. Our first guest, however, did. James Fordyce was born in Scotland in 1720. He grew up to be a minister, and he had firm ideas on appropriate behavior. His book, Sermons to Young Women, which was published in 1766, might sound vaguely familiar to fans of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a gentleman in possession of female company wants no excuse to start mansplaining. That's what Mr. Collins does when he gets the five Bennett sisters alone. He pulls out Fordyce's sermons and starts telling them exactly how good young ladies should behave. While Prim Mary is all ears, even angelic Jane Bennett is pinching herself to stay awake, and little sister Lydia just runs away, of course. Like four out of five Bennett sisters, most of us would not be excited if someone started reading sermons to us after lunch. Unless it was a drinking game and you got to do a shot whenever you heard the word modesty. Pace yourself, though. It's a very popular theme in conduct manuals. Modesty, not drinking games. But let's be brave and take a closer look. What was some of Fordyce's advice? And why did even the good girls not want to hear it? Fordyce begins his book with a preface that explains why he's publishing his sermons. Because, young ladies, he is your friend. He has only your best interests at heart. He respects women, and there's no better way to show your respect for someone than by telling them what to do. One thing you should not do is go to London. Lots of conduct manual writers hated London. Any big city, really but especially London. It was Sodom on the Thames as far as these guys were concerned, full of depravity and temptation. So Fordyce ends his preface by basically putting women on lockdown to keep them safe from the pandemic of sin, or what he calls a contagion of vice and folly. He says, women of worth and sense are to be found everywhere, but most frequently in the calm of retreat and amidst the coolness of recollection. So it might be possible to be good wherever you are, but it's much easier if you stay home and hide under the bed or something. Fordyce returns to this idea of universal female quarantine throughout the book, no matter what the actual subject is. One of the sermons is titled, 
modesty of apparel, which is not surprising. Conduct book writers were obsessed with women's fashion. Some of them had zany theories about clothes. 16th century educator Juan Luis Vives seemed to think that women should dress in tents, lest the sight of a neck or wrist inflame male passion. Philip Stubbs wrote in 1583 that clothes were the only way we could tell men and women apart. And Richard Brathwaite reminded us in 1631 that had Adam and Eve not sinned in the Garden of Eden, we wouldn't need clothes at all. And therefore, clothes were reminders of how sinful we were and not things to be proud of or enjoyed because women were definitely having too much fun fainting from not being able to breathe in their corsets. But Fordyce doesn't repeat any of those outdated ideas. He is a modern man of the mid 18th century after all. His motto on the topic seems to be that clothes make the woman. He begs readers to think of their reputations saying, how tender a thing a woman's reputation is, how hard to preserve and when lost, how impossible to recover how frail many and how dangerous most of the gifts you have received, what misery and what shame have been often occasioned by abusing them. Exclamation mark. He's really invested in this. But what is this exactly? Fordyce packs a lot into that quotation, so let's break it down a little. He's talking about women's reputations and how easy they are to destroy and hard to repair. Okay, got it. That's still true, right? And then there's something about how dangerous a woman's gifts are. What's that about? Guess. If you guessed sex, I'm shocked. Don't you have a dirty little mind? But so do most conduct manual writers. <laughs> so you guessed right. According to Fordyce, a woman's gifts, such as beauty, will make men want to have sex with her. If a woman has sex with a man she's not married to, or too much sex with a man she is married to, misery and shame are the result. Not only should women not have sex with men they're not married to, but they also shouldn't seem available in any way. They shouldn't look like they're interested in sex or that they even know what sex is. This was sadly true for a lot of women, which made for pretty traumatic wedding nights. But it isn't surprising that women are being told not to have sex outside of marriage. What we should pay attention to here is the sneaky thing that Fordyce does when he calls women's gifts dangerous. Gifts are usually good things, particularly in conduct books, which typically portray gifts as virtues with which women are naturally graced, such as beauty, delicacy, compassion, and gentleness. But Fordyce is telling women that these virtues and the women themselves are inherently unsafe, like Elsa in Frozen. Women, even the virtuous ones, are like wild animals that have to be tamed and kept in their cages for both their own and men's safety. Fordyce continues the theme of containment in a chapter titled Female Reserve. He tells readers not to go to parties or any kind of amusement or entertainment because it's a slippery slope from virgin purity to prostitution. And men, because it's always about men, really. 
prefer modest and quiet women. So if women are supposed to stay at home thinking about how to be modest, what are they actually doing? Reading a book, perhaps? <laughs> Heavens no, <laughs> unless it's something wholesome and improving, such as the Bible or, I don't know, books of sermons. Novels are full of corrupt ideas that will give impressionable young women unrealistic expectations for life and love. So women weren't supposed to go to parties and weren't supposed to read. Could they invite a friend over just to hang out, have some tea? Sort of. Fordyce is somewhat skeptical about female friendships. Why? Because of men. I told you, it's always about the men. One fun activity for women seems to be an early prototype of The Bachelor. Fordyce believes that women are in constant competition for male attention. If marriage is the ultimate goal for women, and it kind of was, what else were they going to do? And their whole lives are focused on attracting and retaining a man, then single women certainly can't be friends with each other. It sounds like a reality show, doesn't it? I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to win. Fordyce sets out his logic, saying that marriage subjects the women to a great variety of solicitude and pain. Nothing could carry them through it with any tolerable satisfaction or spirit, but very strong and almost unconquerable attachments. To produce these, is it not fit they should be peculiarly sensible to the attention and regards of the men? and that securing this attention and those regards should be a principal aim. But can such an aim be pursued without frequent competition? And will not that too readily occasion jealousy, envy, and all the unamiable effects of mutual rivalship? That's quite an argument. He says marriage is necessary for society to function that marriage is often painful and hard for women, that they couldn't endure it if they didn't really love their husbands, and that all their energy is thus dedicated to finding a man they can love so they can survive the hardship of being married to him. Well, that makes perfect sense. Fordyce uses this as an excuse to sow division amongst women saying that women can be friends after marriage and that married women can be friends with single women, but that single women are too busy fighting over men to develop friendships. He also takes time to remind us in this chapter that he has a great deal of respect for women, clearly. Even though Fordyce was contributing to the extremely long tradition of subjugating women, he does make some points that remain valid. For example, he recommends that readers enrich and adorn your understandings with such attainments as shall render you less dependent on external amusements and empty gratifications, such as shall entertain and edify you at the same time, enable you to enjoy solitude and qualify you to shine in conversation even without designing it, to inspire a mixture of complacence and respect, in fine, 
to unite decency and sense with mirth and joy. That's not bad advice, really. So maybe Fordyce isn't terrible. Maybe his heart was in the right place. Maybe he was just trying to help women, like he said. After all, I even agreed with what he says about a woman's reputation, how it's easy to damage and hard to repair. Perhaps all of Fordyce's advice to stay home and do the 18th century equivalent of make sourdough was really meant to protect women from the dangers of the world. Well, yes, Fordyce probably did have good intentions, but if society was so dangerous for women, why didn't Fordyce try to change society? Why was the burden on women? Or should I say, why is the burden on women? Conduct manuals like sermons to young women are reminders that advocates for gender equity have a long history of oppression to overcome. These conduct books had a lot of staying power. As we'll see in future episodes, the authors had each other's backs and reinforced the same ideas across centuries. Remember, Fordyce's book was published in 1766, and Jane Austen was still making fun of it in 1813. That means it remained in print and was a part of people's lives for generations. So a quick review. Fordyce thought women had the potential to be very dangerous, so to keep everyone safe, they should be modest, pious, virtuous, and meek. They shouldn't read novels or plays, they shouldn't go to big fancy parties, and they should stay far away from big cities, especially London. They should devote lots of time and energy to reading the Bible and finding a good husband. They should only make friends with married women. And if you've read Pride and Prejudice, you know that between them, the Bennet sisters break pretty much all of these rules. Sorry, not sorry, Mr. Fordyce. And that's it for episode one of Misconduct, 700 Years of Telling Women What to Do. I hope you were entertained and edified. Another episode with another conduct manual is coming soon. If you get impatient, check out my book, Conduct Books and the History of the Ideal Woman, now available on audible.com. Special thanks to Dr. Sarah Connell for help with the podcast's title and William Kenlin for the music. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.